Listening to episode 309 of the App Percussion Podcast. This is Ksenia Kumlianovich speaking, your host, and with me are my buddies, Ben Charles. Hey, Ksenia, how are you? Hey, Ben, I'm holding up. We're about to finish up the semester. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well as well. We are also finishing up. We have our holiday collage concert tomorrow where we're performing Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You that I arranged for percussion and, and soprano. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh my God, please tell me there will be a video. Uh, it should be webcast. So yeah. Send it. It's my favorite song. <laughs> it's the one that I don't get sick of every time. Same. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And we have uh, our new buddy, Caleb Pickering here. Hey, how's it going? I wish I could say I had something as cool as Mariah Carey coming up this next week. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just normal concert Christmassy music for us. Damn. Damn. Have you ever considered that as a composer to start arranging Christmas music? Because there's always a need at least once a year. There's a market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's one of those things like you're chasing, you're going to chase the money, but you have to sacrifice a certain amount of your own self. Um, oh, I have no shame. <laughs> No, Ben has given integrity to the gods of finance, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, well, we will be releasing this episode on December 9, and so you might be wondering what happened in music history on this day. Actually, we did lose a giant. We lost Charles Rosen. Has anyone ever read anything by Charles Rosen? No? If you are at all interested in developing more of an imposter syndrome, um, it's uh, all about what Charles Rosen did. So he was a pianist, best known for his book, uh, The Classical Style, which you should read because it's a really brilliant uh, look and uh, opinion on the development of classical music uh, or the classical period, I should say. So he died in uh, 2012. But in any case, he was one of those people who went to Juilliard at six, left Juilliard at 11 to study with Rosenthal piano. At 18, he went to Princeton to study French. He completed his PhD at the age of 24 with a dissertation on poetry of Jean de la Fontaine. And then he went to France on a Fulbright to examine the relationship between poetry and music. And then uh, in 1953, when he was 26, he went to teach at MIT to teach French. And on top of that, he had a serious piano career. Um, but in any case, um, if you're interested in any of the nerdy stuff, you probably know who Richard Taruskin is, musicologist, again, American musicologist, big deal for me. He's like a rock star of musicology. And him and Rosin used to have these little like fights, which is all about what nerds <laughs> freak out over. I, I loved reading about those. And uh, again, Rosin, I don't know how he made it. Uh, he only taught French for two years, really. And then he went on to be a successful concert pianist and write a lot. Um, but he also was the kind of person that like reviewed uh, the Harvard Dictionary of Music in the New York Times. It's just like, how do you do that? How do you the Harvard Dictionary of Music? Like what? That's not skimming over, I don't know, I don't know. In any case, if you care about musicology or serious thinkers about music, go check them out. But today is the day that Charles Rosen died. So, so we now move along to our guest. Today, we're gonna to be talking about boutique mallet making. And mallets are, of 
course, absolutely essential to us. And this is yet another career path that our young listeners should consider and can pursue. So our guest's career began in Plovdiv in Bulgaria, where he won the Dobrin Petkov Prize at the age of 11. He later went on to win many international awards, and we have recently seen him, I mean, recently as in, I don't know, past many years, have seen him constantly by Grubinger's side as part of the percussive planet. Uh, he's been playing, rocking out, arranging, playing with Yuja Wang also. I mean, like, what the hell? This is one of my favorite Rite of Spring things that I've ever seen. It's just like, oh my God, that it's really, this is, I'm, I'm starstruck. Um, so he studied at Bruckner University with Bogdan Bakanu and Leonard Schmidinger, and also took lessons with Sadlo and Moko Kamiya, just like amazing, all of these people, amazing. He's here to talk about infinity percussion, um, his boutique mallet making company that he was one of the founders of, or is one of the founders of. So everyone, please welcome the magnificent Alex Georgiev to the show. Welcome, Alex. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for the nice words. Wow, I'm really flattered. <laughs> no, thank you so, so much. Fun. Yeah, no, thanks for <laughs> thanks for coming. I feel like we could talk about million aspects of your career because you also teach. Jesus, I don't think I mentioned that. I mean, you teach, you perform, you you do all of these things. Um, but you are, I, I think, what you do here as a niche is super interesting. Um, so we'd like to first know about how the company came about. Why don't you tell us? All right. Well, it's actually uh, a funny story because, I mean, um, as you mentioned, I studied at the Brooklyn University and uh, with, uh, with both Professor Bacano and Schmidinger, we were basically uh, exploring a lot about the sound uh, we were concentrating a lot about the way that the instrument should sound and of course a lot of it is connected with the material which you use of course essentially it's important the way you play and then of course for the second bass let's say like this comes the material you use uh, so this made me of course uh, think and listen really in detail uh, what was happening out there, what people would use, you know, uh, for example, in the competitions, when you guys from, from the States, you were coming, you know, you would use different material of mallets and we would, in Europe, we would use different material of mallets. And, you know, it was always, you know, kind of this kind of inner analyzing, you know, and searching for the, for my taste in, in, in things. So basically, um, I tried uh, in my, um, times of, um, of studying in the, the university to explore different, different matters, different brands. So I tried, you know, from uh, Yamaha, I went to Adams, different models uh, from Erho. And uh, basically I loved them all, uh, but uh, I couldn't have this kind of a unified sound. And uh, this was something which I always was, I was searching for. And uh, it came as an idea, uh, First of all, the name Boutique with Alex Gergiev is great because it's really exactly what we do. It's just a small kind of family, friends, business, uh, or let's say music shop, uh, if, you, if you want. Um, and the idea was to find a mallet which would suit, first of all, my needs, how, how, I, would see, how I would see sound and, and experience it. Um, and then it developed, uh, you know, we got at ideas because we are in, 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 in really uh, 
we are con uh, we are in contact with with the people at the company all the time and you know we're speaking about different things and in the beginning it was more or less you know let me find and make something which works for me and uh, then you know from there on we we started speaking with with people which we we would play with i would play with with martin and uh, you know i asked him for his opinions and uh for example also with vivi also with Fabian Ziegler we have on board which we're really happy about with Raina Furtna is there so you know it was kind of kind of me uh, you know searching here and there for different you know ideas from the, all, the, all of those people and uh, this this came came to be came to be uh, something which uh, which turned out uh, as as we see it right now as an infinity percussion. Infinity percussion is like the idea about uh, behind the name is that there is kind of endless possibilities which we can offer, and this is maybe something which uh, makes us a bit more different than any other company out there because we can offer you know customized service. So we are in uh, really. Um, in in contact with each client and uh, uh, we can definitely you know go into detail um, concerning his or her uh, needs so you know this is something which is I think quite special um, and yeah from there on you know we just started exploring started speaking to people started making you know artist mallets and yeah it took off really fast <laughs> Well, Alex, uh, at University of Miami, where Ksenia and I both went once a year, Matt Strauss did a timpani mallet wrapping class. And so we would all bring an old beat up pair of timpani mallets and strip off the remaining felt and, and cut and wrap our own mallets. And uh, it was absolutely hilarious how bad all of them were. <laughs> it was, a, it was yeah. a master class in the ugly ducklings of mallets. And like the, the thing I kind of realized was like, yeah, your first performance when you start playing percussion as a kid is, is not very good. And you hone your performance skills through doing it over and over. Uh, and I realized with the mallets, I was like, okay, I, like I could invest, like I could buy the sheets of felt and all the and practice and, and my mallets would eventually be good. Uh, but I didn't have the uh, time or money or interest to continue to go down that path. Uh, so I buy timpani mallets now, thanks to all the wonderful manufacturers out there. Uh, but Alex, like, what was your sort of turning point in realizing, like, okay, these are now actually professional quality mallets, not just a little project I worked on in my garage? Well, uh, first of all, I'm really fortunate that I don't need to to deal with this process so much, with the wrapping process and everything. I'm mainly the test pilot. Let's say it like this. I mean. I tried it, I can do it, of course, but maybe I'm not the most patient guy to do it, let's say like this. And so I know there, I'm really fortunate that I have uh, my family and friends, you know, working on that process. And, uh, and yeah, the, the, the first thing, what I have to say, you're absolutely right. This doesn't, this takes time. Uh, the first thing which is really important is to have patience with it, like with everything, like with practicing, like with uh, everything, what you start new, you know, you need time to, to just enjoy this process, you know? So of course the first mallets which we did they were uh, they were not great you know the the balance was not great they were too harsh they were extremely heavy the materials were, were not fine you know they were unwrapping really fast they were breaking down so you know you had to make a research you know try like like you know you buy something you try it out it works or it doesn't work you know you switch you adapt so it's, first of all, it's really important for everybody which is interested to make something like this or to start making mallets or instruments is to have patience. Patience is the key to absolutely everything, you know, just enjoy the process, you know. 
Um, uh, concerning, you know, the, the timpani mallets, for example, I have to say we don't make timpani mallets and maybe we'll not even go there because there are so many great manufacturers, as you said, uh, around the world and here in Europe that uh, we just don't stand a chance. I think from the, from the competition there, there is no point. I had a question just because in the past uh, year, I've been trying to run a, my composition business is more of an actual business and not just this goofy thing that goes on in my spare time. But I was wondering, what are some of the most necessary skills uh, musically and you know, business related that a person really needs to have to run you know, a boutique mallet making company or really any small percussion manufacturing company? Wow, great question. Thank you. And I, I, I wish you best of luck with your company, uh, with your new project. Um, well, I think the, the most important skill for any kind of business, let's say it like this, um, is the communication skills. Um, you know, the network uh, which you have, uh, the people which you know, um, things which you can, um, you know, uh, use uh, for your advantage, you know, to get to more people so this communication skills i think uh, is is the is the is the is the most important thing which you can take with you before you start a business you basically you need to plan it really in detail you know maybe write it out like a few steps you know which is which is uh, which are important for you but i would say communication skills uh, and maybe something which which is was was also really important for me i wanted to or we wanted to achieve something which is not on the market you know not 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 so not so common you know not something which you oh i need a matter i go to Thomas, for example you know or or any uh, steve weiss or um music shop and then i just order something you know we wanted to, to to go a bit more closer to the to the customers and uh, basically this this is if you if you if you may um the communication skills then the network uh, and something special, which which can you know uh, make you look a bit more interesting. I'll stand up. I was gonna say there's I know there's so many like business things, and one of which is like how to handle your taxes. And just a little anecdote, I remember Casey a while back was telling me that people were saying like, oh yeah, well like if you want to get your business taxes down, you have to like invest. So like buy buy a printer and write that off as an expense. And Casey was like, yeah, but like, I'm not trying to buy printers. <laughs> That's not the goal of the company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Go to his house. He's just yeah. got a ton of printers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know we have, we have a lot of mallets, a lot of mallets to burn. <laughs> it's all yeah. investment. <laughs> yeah. Well, winter is coming. Yeah, winter is, winter is coming. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think this is, as Caleb said, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, you might be listening to this episode and thinking, wow, I'd really like to start making mallets, at least for my friends or rewrapping them, or maybe you, you're not interested in mallet making, but there's something else. In any case, at any point, you have to pitch yourself, your skill, your company, whatever it is at some point. And as Alex said, networking is so important, but I'd like to go a little bit deeper into that. What is good networking for you, Alex? Like, how do you create those relationships? How did you create a relationship with Vivi or with Fabian? And how do you start uh, a collaboration with an artist when you're a new company? Mm -hmm. Well, 
again, I have to say I quite fortunate in this area to know these people personally. Of course, it is more difficult to to set up a connection with a person which you don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, then, of course, you, you need to work a lot on, on your presentation. And uh, for me, it was easy uh, because, you know, I, I played already with those people. Uh, for example, with Vivi, I play with Martin, with Fabian, with all of the artists. Uh, basically, mm -hmm. we worked together as on the stage, right? Um, so that was easy for me. Um, uh, secondly, I, I really want to stress this out. Um, our company, the, the, the idea about, about, about our mallets is, is to, to make something which is mainly is fitting a certain group of, of, of players. You know, it's ma mainly concentrated on, on professional uh, percussionists, on active players, on players which are playing concerts. And uh, this was something which was really important for us from the very beginning, because, you know, our mallets are generally a bit more heavy. They are not so comfortable for for unexperienced players mm -hmm. maybe for someone it's going to be of course it's a matter of question of course a uh, matter of taste but setting up setting up the going back to your original question uh, networking was not a big issue for me because i was already you know in in connection with those people uh, and life and uh, we knew each other and they came to me, uh, most of them, you know, and asking me those questions, you know, and, and, you know, wanting to try something new because you know how it is with us uh, percussionists. It's like, we are going, going crazy. Oh my God, this is something new. I have to try it. I have to get my hands on. And uh, it was also kind of easy because we, all of our artists have, have kind of the same understanding uh, about sounds, uh, you know, this big sound, this producing sound, this piercing sound, the sound which you, using a big hole or in a small hole in front of an ensemble or a big band or a brass band also for your practice room so kind of an infinite kind of uh, you know um, coverage um, but um, with one kind of an idea of sound so this was the most uh, important thing so the the sound is kind of unified so all of the models are really different but they have the same base kind of thing so Connection is, uh, you know, the networking is really, was really important and I was quite fortunate to have it from, you know, from playing with those people. Yeah, I'd say the best piece of advice that I can give young to young students is A, be, be a really great friend, you know, with your studio members, with people who you play with now. And yeah, in general, just be like a nice human being because it might turn into not not because it might like not because you can make money 10 years later. It sounds so horrible. <laughs> I hate it. It's like such a capitalist <laughs> idea, but just be a nice person. Uh, and it also might help. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but you are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You never know. You never know uh, what path your life will, will take you to. So. It's, it's extremely important to understand that exactly, you know, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to teach also in a university, a music university here in Klagenfurt. And uh, it's the thing I always say to my students, you know, uh, be colleagues, you know, be a family and respect each other because you never know, you know, where you are going to meet each other after that in life. So uh, that's, that's a great, great thing you brought up there. Yeah, thank you for redeeming me. I really didn't mean to say be friends because it makes money later. <laughs> so, well, so catching. Yeah, friendship, money. Um, anyway, so what has been the most surprising uh, facet of doing this line of work for you or most challenging? 
Well, you know, being a, a musician, which uh, is concentrated since, I mean, I'm doing this since already 20, 20 something years, you know, playing percussion, you, you, you become basically a freak. So you are really perfectionist and you want everything to be into the last detail perfect. Um, and uh, this was maybe really challenging for us to find, you know, the base where we can grow. So the first products, which we will, we would approve. And this was really, really challenging. Second, secondly, the materials are really, really challenging to find, you know, for example, the rattan, uh, which uh, rattan would work for you, you know, because there are different stiffness. So you have to be patient, order from here and there, uh, search for the right people, uh, see, check prices, you know, um, uh, check how much it will take for the for the person to, to send you the, the rattan because we work with people from Indonesia or from the US, you know, from different parts of the world, China. And these are things, you know, which are quite challenging, which, which you don't think ahead uh, before you start the business, you know. So these are things, for example, also the wool, which wool would, would, would the yarn, which yarn would, would work, how they will sound. So, you know, you have to be you have to know that this is a huge process. You know, you you have to spend days and months and years to to really find the thing which which would work for you. Because when it works for you one hundred percent, then you have the confidence, you know, to sell it to other people. This is it sounds really, yeah, but it's it is it is the way it is. It's a business, so uh, so in the end of the day, uh, you should be aware that this takes quite some time and um, there are a lot of challenges uh, which uh, you know you should consider before that beforehand yeah wow that's a that's a lot <laughs> go ahead Ben. well alex i i was thinking about like this this idea of designing a mallet and if someone were to ask me like oh what what kind of maroon mallet do you like like what do you like to play with like i could tell you the model and like i i can like i hear it in my head what i like but i couldn't I don't think I could articulate very well exactly what it is about both the sound and the feel of the mallet. Uh, it's it's sort of like uh, it's it's hard to describe. <laughs> it's like one of those things that's so personal. Um, so could you tell us about like the process of designing a mallet and working with an artist? How long does it take from start to finish? How often do you communicate and check in and send out prototypes? Wow, uh, great question. Thank you so much for bringing this up. Uh, this is this is making us a bit. Uh special to go back to the to the first question which Caleb was also bringing up something special something you know which other companies are not doing I don't think that they're doing at least to my knowledge um, so and if they're doing I'm jealous because they never did it for me <laughs> so <laughs> so um, yes we do this so I there is so many there are so many people you know uh you know our fellow colleagues from Salzburg calling you know and asking for models actually right now i'm sending you know packages to them you know to just to check them out i don't know if you know richard putz you know is uh, is really really kind of experimenting with a lot of our things and you know uh, i'm sending or or to christoph Sitzen, we did this a lot of times or of course with our artists with vivi with fabian a long process and um, you're right it's really difficult to describe what you want yeah you, you describe with colors you describe with you know uh, heaviness but then bright sound but then you know it has to cut through and best thing is you know when you when you are when you had to deal with this alone uh, yourself for example i was always you know trying to articulate myself searching for the right method but it was always really difficult yeah 
Um, so the thing what, what we do is definitely we, we speak about, first of all, you know, the things we, which we can get right. So the heaviness, how, how, how heavy do you want it to be? So for example, if you have your favorite mallet and you are like, okay, I want it to be in this heaviness, then, then, then we ask, for example, okay, can you measure this so that we can you know, start from a, from a point? or the thickness of the material, if it's rattan or if it's uh, birch, you know, how thick should it be? Then what kind of wool would you prefer? So, so what, I, what I do with, with, with these customers is I, I try you know, to search for similarities, things which they already know. And then we can start from there. And then the most important thing is you know, to make something really fast, to send it there and to be ready to do this 10, 15, 20 times if it's, if it's necessary, right? So it's it is basically it is taking a lot of time sometimes when when the person you know asking for something special. For example, we have uh, really interesting models. I have actually here two boxes with me. You know, this is a box of mallets, if you can see. Oh wow! So yeah, you, yeah, and uh, maybe I can show you something crazy which we tried to do. You know, with a person uh, because we were playing. For example, we were playing a piece, you know, which was uh, going really fast from, from uh, vibraphone to glockenspiel to sixen, you know, the six, uh, the instrument from Skisenakis, yeah. the contemporary piece. So you have to be all, all the time, you know, switching between mics, which, which was not possible, right? So we made something which we call the combo mallet <laughs> with our, in our company. Yeah. So you have this plastic tip on top. So you can play the vibraphone normally, and then you can switch and go to the glockenspiel. No, so you have both sounds working for you. Um, and this was something which, you know, which, which took a lot of time to develop exactly how much this distance should be, you know, for it to work, what kind of material. So they were breaking in the beginning. So actually we have also like plastic material, which we were using so the mallet doesn't break because it is really heavy. And then in the end of the day, you know, uh, the guys which ended up playing this uh, piece, they wanted also a brass material in front, so it was became even more heavy. So one mallet was like 100 grams, which was crazy heavy, you know, but, you know, they sacrificed themselves in the name of sound, of course. So, uh, you know, these kind of things, um, you have to always be open and, and patient with them and, you know, try to really get as much as things which you can relate to cleared out in the, in the process, in the beginning. And for anyone listening audio only, you might want to go on YouTube and check out what he just showed us. It was yeah. like basically a vibraphone mallet with a glockenspiel mallet out past the tip of the vibraphone mallet. But uh, Alex, I've always been fascinating in like manufacturing things, uh, both sometimes like you'll have a project that's going a certain way and like someone's so sure of what they want. And then you totally change gears and you end up with something that like they, it's not what they described. Or also, I know sometimes like you'll be developing a project and then someone else will come in and that actually fits their mold better. So you give it to them and then you'll start a new project for whoever you were already developing for. So have you had any of these like sort of things that went way off track from what you, where you started? No, definitely, definitely. We had a lot of those things. And uh, it's just so great, such a great question. I mean, this is how we came up with so many varieties of, of, of mallets. I mean, um, as I said, I have here a box. Uh, we have these two boxes, you know, with, with all of the models of mallets. You know, this is a new feature which we offer, huge boxes for the people which are not having the, the video on. Huge boxes, you know, with, with all of the materials and we send to people, you know, we send to people. This is something also which, which I don't think a lot of companies are doing. 
So we just send it to you guys. For example, you want to test all of our gear, you know, just to get a whole imagination of the thing. You order them, we send it to you for free for, of course, uh, you have to prepay something in case something happens. Then of course it's, we return the money and then you have the, the, the gear, you know, for a month to check it out and, you know, to experience the sound, which is, I think, really important thing for each customer as an option. Uh, but yeah, to go back to your question, um, for example, we were using, uh, we were working with Suni. I don't know if you know Suni, um, great, great Marino player and now a timpanist in the National uh, Philharmonic Orchestra in, in, in Beijing. And uh, he, uh, he was really challenging. I mean, his series came up to be extremely, extremely um, loved by, by all of our customers. A lot of people are, are ordering his series, you know? So his idea was for kind of a contemporary sound, for sound which, you know, you can use for pieces like the source, uh, uh, for, for uh, Mirage, for example, you know, all these Japanese contemporary literature, which is already not contemporary for us anymore, but you know, the, the classics. So, uh, you know, it's six models and, and the number six mallet, he said, I want a mallet which can work from C to C, from C5 to C1. And I was like, nice. what? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, it was a huge challenge, you know, and, uh, and we made it happen. I, I'm really satisfied from, from the results. So it's like a mallet, you know, I don't want to give all of our secrets, of course, but for, for people which, you know, are, are interested, it, it's just uh, different materials inside the core, right? So it, it can make it work. It can make it piercing. It, it's like a triple tone, as I, as I would say it like this. A triple tone mallet, of course, with a gummy and a plastic core. And um, it is, from there, we managed to, you know, to get so many ideas about different types of models which we can use. For example, um, there was a question from a colleague of ours, you know, I'm playing this piece and I'm switching from, from skin to, to wood, uh, to uh, metal instruments. And we basically used that idea from, from Sunni's model to, 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 make, to make that happen. So, yeah, there are a lot of crossover projects, you know, coming from here and then you can you know, use it for something different. And you just have to start somewhere. Yeah, well, going off of that, um, yeah, when it comes to designing some of those niche products, like the Vibe Clock Duo Mallet, um, yeah. yeah, where do you find the, the balance between what the artist wants and what will be marketable to, you know, to your uh, general market? If I could also add to that, like, when, like, how do you learn to say no? Like, at what point can you say, like, no, we can't make a snare drum stick that also works on timpani? Any <laughs> snare drum stick works on timpani if you try hard enough. <laughs> if you try hard enough. <laughs> well, that's a really, really, uh, really interesting question. I mean, I don't think that until now we said that there is something which was not possible. This is not a commercial, nothing, you know, I don't, <laughs> I'm not saying that we will not come up to this point, but there were a lot of interesting, you know, uh, demands from our customers. And of course, everybody wants something which, um, which works for everything. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, snare drum mallet, which you can use, which you can use immediately on timpani. And I think, you know, there are limits, definitely there are limits to, to the things which you can manage. But um, I definitely am kind of this kind of a person. And I think we as a company and a community are I kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, experimenting, and we love these kind of challenges. So, 
um, I think that uh, we would never come up with this kind of crazy idea to put the Glockenspiel miles in front of, you know, a uh, <laughs> uh, vibraphone heads uh, if we were not uh, who we are. So um, we are always trying and there's of course moments that the, the, the product or is not approved to 100% and you have to be always ready for this. And maybe then at, at the point where, where, where you are running out of options, then you there is nothing bad in saying, you know, I cannot do what you are requesting me and I'm really sorry. So there is, this is legit uh, outcome of any situation. It doesn't matter if it's about a concert, you know, where you're squished by a deadline and you have to do it. You have to, you know, sacrifice all your life for, 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 for you know, for these 15 minutes of craziness. No. There is nothing which you have to do in any price. So uh, in the end of the day, uh, we are fortunate enough that we managed always you know, to, to fulfill our requests, uh, but I'm sure that maybe there will become a time where, where you know, so you have to say no. Right, and so what is the sort of timeline that, that it usually takes from your first conversation with uh, an artist, customer, that they want to make a mallet too when you pop it into the market and you're like hi you can buy this signature sound now how long does that take it's really it really depends um thank you for the question it really depends um because um you know for example with uh, suni it took us a lot of time because he was really but it was really easy on the other hand because it was he was really specific so if you're an artist, for example, and you want to work with some company, you know, and, or some company, mallet company or instrument company is really interested in you. Uh, the first thing which you should consider is really to have your thoughts well organized. This is so important to have it really organized, to know exactly what you want, even if it's with colors, even if it's with abstract, you know, terms, terminology, you know, just shoot it. But it should be more so that we know exactly how to shape the product which you are you know which you have in mind um so with suni it was really challenging it took us quite some time you know it was back and forth because he was in china and we had to send all the products to china wait for his feedback make it again i think it took like four or five times you know um forward and backwards he was really specific with his color i, I mean for all the guests which are not which watching the video it's kind of you know turquoise color you know of his mallets his signature Sony mallets mm -hmm. is how they look yeah and uh you know these kind of specifics they might take some time because you know it's not just about the color it's about the sound you know the sound should also be considered in the first place you know there there comes the color and all the artists are quite specific exactly with this which is of course important because this is the first thing you see you first see the thing then you hear it unfortunately and then, um, you know, for example, with Vivi, with her vibraphone mallet, we sent the, she was really also specific. We sent her the first, the first uh, uh, version of them and she was really happy. She was like, exactly what I need. Perfect. So oh, wow. From, yeah, absolutely. This was so surprising for me because Vivi is an artist. Uh, she's really specific. She wants really uh, every detail to be cleared uh, beforehand. But uh, and that's why, you know, we were prepared, you know, to, to know, to have three, four, five versions going here and backwards. Um, and um, that's why, you know, it's, it's different. It's always depends on the artists, always depends on the artists. And as I say, again, before you 
start with um, with the artist series uh, or you want your mallets to be made from a company then really sit down and think about exactly what you want let's yeah. say from from weight from material from color from hardness and and always make comparisons to different mallets which are you know on the market this is then really easy for 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 a quick end result yeah, yeah of course well you know, another thing that I think people need to consider when wanting to embark on this journey is that uh, none of this stuff is for free, as you said, to order stuff from Indonesia or China or from America and then to be able to test it and ship it out to people and all of that stuff. It takes money. So in order to start making money from this, you need to invest money in it. Uh, now, of course, every business is different, but what kind of financial investment was necessary on your end or what would you say to people what should they consider having as their primary expense before they start doing something like this great question so i think first of all uh nobody should start a business with the idea that you'll make money out of you know this is just don't do it this puts so much pressure and stress from the very beginning it's a, it's something which might happen, something which might work. And of course you dream about it and you are really motivated and positive, but just, it's my personal advice. Don't start something, whatever it is, and think about how much zeros you add to your bank account in the end of the month. This doesn't matter. First, first things first, make a product, you know, make something which you like. So it is about, it's about with everything with life, you know, when you like something, you know, you're absolutely sure you like it, then other people will start liking it as well, because you will be 100% sure that this is the thing which you, which you believe in. So yeah, you need, this is unfortunately, it's not just words and it's, it's about, it's about in the end of the day, investing in something and definitely after you seeing that something works then you can of course think about the steps and there are many steps to think about i'm i was again fortunate to have a to have people you know which are which are a bit more you know uh, aware of the markets and uh, about how to organize finance and uh, where to look at and uh, we're working as a team this is the second thing you need help you cannot do it on your own mallets wrapping making mallets or instruments or whatever it is you need people you it's okay not to do it alone okay you need mm -hmm. support you need people from different fields right um, you can definitely you know there are so many podcasts you can listen to from great uh business developers you know which you can pick up it's not about being a musician it's about you know then entering a completely different uh world of of, of business and and managing management as we said uh communication skills and all of those things you know are really important before you invest a lot of money right then after that of course when you see that something works and might get you know like then 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 comes the moment that you should risk there is always a risk you know you have to always there is no nothing which you can start with and be 100 sure that it will work yeah it's the same when when for example you buy a marimba you know you don't know that you're gonna become a marimba soloist right no everybody wants to but uh you know it's not so easy so okay. in the end of the day you invest in something but 
but uh, you risk it. And uh, it's the same here. I think also, um, I always, you know, recommend for people, you know, if I, if I can, you know, drill in a bit more here to, to invest in instruments, because this always, you know, you can, you can, you can refund, refund your money back, you know, because you can resell or, you know, how it is uh, with the wood right now with the rose marimbas, uh, rosewood marimbas, you know, they're getting less and less. And maybe in, in 10 years, who knows, this is going to be like a Rolls Royce from the sixties, you know, who knows, you know, sure. sells. Yeah. So it, it is, it is, it is, it is an investment, but it's a secure investment. You can do that. Uh, concerning the mallets, it is also, it is also quite like this, you know, you don't need so much money to start with, right? To make kind of an end product. You don't need so much money, but of course you need something. Let me, let me say it quite straightforward, something between 500 to $1,000 or euros. You need to start to be able to create something, right? Something for, for yourself, you know, to start with which is not so much money, right? But then if it's so, if, if the sum is so low, let's say like this, you cannot buy machines. So you have to find a person who has to make this for you. Maybe, maybe you have to pay him a bit, you know, maybe it's a friend of yours. Maybe it's a person who makes chairs, you know, who makes, you know, wooden uh, stuff. So there are a lot of things to, 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 to be concerned about, but uh, it's not the most expensive thing to, you know, to invest to, to start with. Yeah, you brought up a couple of great points in there. Uh, you talked about rosewood. I actually, I bought a four and a third octave rosewood marimba when I was in high school and then sold it probably 15, 16, something like that years later uh, for a profit. I actually made money off of yes. just owning an instrument for that long, which <laughs> it's true. Rosewood. Wait, Ben, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Not, I think yeah. I, I think I netted like $200 on it. It wasn't like a huge profit, but Point is, it actually didn't lose value. It actually gained a yeah. little bit of value. So that was that was a cool experience for me. But also, yeah, in terms of like, if you want to start a mallet company, like it's like, I think, you know, the, the quote unquote real mallet companies, most of them probably have specialized hardware to like wrap mallets and things. And uh, I remember we had George Barrett from Innovative Percussion on the podcast a long time ago. And he said when they started, yeah, I'd have to go back and check it, but it was something like they had like, a golf cart that they had like taken the motor out of and were like using a symbol stand to like, it just sounded like the most yeah. rickety operation but yeah like i'm sure back then they didn't have the capital to to make some custom mallet wrapping machine yeah that's that's a great point that's a great point i mean uh what we do in infinity percussion is everything is handmade so it takes a bit more time but we do it by hand uh what yeah, the, the, we, we managed to also make customized wrapping machines. Yeah, this is true. We have already, you know, we are, we are uh, for example, the test sets and everything is made by a customized wrapping machine, but it also, it is also, uh, you have to kind of, you know, it's mechanical, it's not automatic. So it is without a motor, which I find really great because, you know, um, whatever, I don't want to, I don't want to speak about other uh, companies, you know, what we try to do essentially with or without a machine what 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 really it's maybe should be an, as an interest to all the buyers or all the all the customers is when you buy uh suny number five let's say mallet from us and you play it for 
15 years and then you call us and you say, I want again a Sony 5 mallet, then the mallet which comes should be the same. Should sound the same, should be approximately, of course, because of the rattan is always difficult to, to have the same, uh, same weight, but approximately the same. So it has to be the same mallet sounding wise, 100%. So whatever it is, if you're using a machine or you're making it by hand, you just have to be really, really careful to, to make notes, to make notes and to use always the same materials and really to be picky about this because this is something which is really important for us. That's why we, we had a lot of, for example, uh, questions uh, from Toman and from uh, different shops in Switzerland, uh, in uh, Netherlands, in England people which wanted to represent our products. So they wanted to buy a huge amount of our products to store it there in their stores and to show it to other people, which I just don't want to do because we are, as I said, we are a small company. I want to keep it small and I want to keep it really, really extremely, how should I say, clean from these things. Because when you start producing a lot, you know, when you want to manufacture a lot of, of, of mallets and sticks, it always, 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 you are going to be lacking a bit of precision, you know, always, because it's machine, it's fast, it's just, you know, producing and, 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 and shipping it. For us, it's really, really important to keep up the price exactly in the middle of, of you know, really top, uh, top prices, you know, in starting to $80, $90 or $100, or there are, of course, value for mats for $200, $250. We are keeping it somewhere between the line of $50 and $70. And then, you know, uh, we offer, of course, the quality behind the price. So this is something which was really important for me from the very beginning to keep, you know, um, to keep that line. So you mentioned a few times, uh, you know, you might need to find a friend who's going to wrap the mallets or what did you say? A furniture maker who can handle like the, the wood and everything. So how many people is Infinity Percussion or how, 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 how has it grown or changed? Well, as I said, we, it's a family business. First of all, it's my family that we are working a lot. For example, my brother, my mother, my father. And this is really great because, I mean, we're keeping it really, really like a family business. And it's really kind of, uh, you know, everybody is burning for this. You know, everybody is really trying to make their best. And I think this is something which, uh, which I would recommend for everyone who has a supportive family, which I'm fortunate to have. Um, because, you know, family, they will always, you know, um, do their best in the end of the day. You know, you can find friends, you can find relatives, you can find everybody. Family, family is, you know, is something which we, for example, are fortunate to have working as a unit. Um, so we didn't grow at all. I mean, we are keeping it like this. Uh, we are trying to speed up the process and I think we are managing to speed up the process. And I think that uh, with these new features of, of, you know, shipping mallets to people, you know, uh, trying them firsthand uh, makes it really important, uh, really, really interesting. And um, in the end of the day, you know, you have to be dedicated with what you do and then everything is possible. So uh, we mentioned already that you teach and perform extensively. How much time does Infinity Percussion take? out of your schedule because you're already so busy yeah i mean i think that uh when you are multitask i mean when you're a musician whoever you're multitasking system you know there is no musician nowadays which is just a musician you know you have to be a producer you have to be a composer you have to be an arranger you have to be 
uh, you have to know how to deal with uh, many different sound engineering programs. You know, you have to make your own website. You know, you have to be so many things in one. You have to be a multitasking machine from the moment that you open your eyes until the moment you go to sleep. So I think it's, it's not so much. It's not so bad. Uh, of course, it takes time, but it's something, you know, which I do with pleasure. This is the most important thing for, for everyone who wants to do something next to their normal income, let's say like this, because my main job is as a teacher, then I'm a performer, and then I'm doing also mallets, right? So um, how much time? Um, depends, depends. Uh, of course, Corona was, uh, was something which uh, we felt, you know, from, from sales. Of course, then you don't have so much sales, then you have to do a bit more promotion. Um, uh, in normal days, for example, 2019, 18, uh, you know, we, we need, didn't uh, need to do so much promotion for, for all the products because people, you know, they were active. Uh, and now I, I feel some kind of, some, some, some kind of uh, you know, people are tired from, from all of this. And, uh, you know, uh, our main, main source, source of clients are coming from Europe. And in Europe right now, the situation is a bit insecure. So people are not playing so much concerts. So, of course, they don't need so much material, which I understand completely. But then you have to, of course, do more for your, for your advertisement. Um, so let's say on a regular basis, if you have your schedule right, um, then um, I don't know two three hours a day when it's really busy and uh, between half an hour and an hour daily you know when when it's not so busy you know you always have to be on a call you know and um, this is also really important it is not like this that you make some great mallets and then you know people start buying them you have to be you have to calculate the time until the person buys in the end of the day the mallet you know it can be two mallets, it can be a whole set of mallets, doesn't matter. It takes the same amount of time. So you have to know that you need time, right? And be patient about it, be humble with it. And uh, it will work out eventually, you know, if you are if you are really burning for it. So yeah, I would say um, not so bad between approximately one to two hours per day. Most importantly, keep your schedule clean so that you can squeeze it between rehearsals or practice sessions or teaching sessions, and then you're fine. Well, there you you heard it. Although I feel like that one hour, two hours for you might be like three to four hours for us mortals, you know, like times, know. times three times four for everyone else. <laughs> Figure it out. Um, so uh, the last question that I had, and then I'll hand it over to Ben because he had some interesting direction that he wanted to take us in, um, is something you already touched on, but I, I'd like to go a little bit deeper. And it's the question, the idea of the vocabulary that we use to describe sound so all of our words are borrowed and i keep thinking you know i'm, I'm always a, as a teacher and in conversation with you know friends and chamber groups we're always looking for better ways to describe what we want but all these words are borrowed whether it's dark or bright or nasal or a sweeter sound it has nothing to do with how we hear things but everything with you know our eyesight our taste our we borrow it from all these other senses and i can imagine for a company like yours that relies on creating sounds and everybody has a different vocabulary must be really challenging, really fun, but also maybe you should come up with like a dictionary of sounds or something, or like, you know, like here, here are the words that we should use. How do you, how do you handle that challenge? You know, when things go back and forth and they say we want dark and then you send them something and then they're like, this is not dark. 
like, what I know is dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly. You are so right. I mean, this is really difficult because, I mean, then you you have to be understanding person. You know, you understand full if there is such a word. But, you know, you have to you have to be um, you have to be ready for all of these options that you send something which doesn't work at all. And you shouldn't be disappointed with it because it's a process. Nobody is expecting of you. Don't put so much, too much pressure on this one because it's, as I said, something brilliant might came out, you know? So for example, you say, send something which he says or she says it's dark, then she or he's checking it out and then he says, uh, no, it's bright. And then, okay, but then at least I know that it's bright. So you you have some base <laughs> to start with, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> At least. So in the end of the day, it, you're right. It's really difficult. Sometimes, you know, when 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 a person calls and, and he starts describing in, in this kind of way with this kind of, you know, um, terms, uh, it's 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 not so easy. But uh, that's why we are so fortunate uh, to have a company um, or let's say uh, we are fortunate to have people in this company which are uh, active musicians so for us it's a daily thing so for us we, we we speak with so many different musicians and i had the fortune to play and to work with a lot of violin piano players you know the real musicians <laughs> and uh, you know to work with them and, and and to see what they find dark and what they find bright and what they find light you know and maybe it's kind of this intuition which I developed throughout the years, which helped me, you know, to shorten up this process from the moment that I send the first uh, tests to the moment that they are actually satisfied with it, right? So in the end of the day, it's it's about you being open with it, just relaxed. If they are not satisfied, give them the feeling that you got discovered. This is really important for every client. It's really important that he feels secure that you are going to manage this, you know. So. Um, the most difficult thing coming um, back to your question uh, is to describe a mallet on our webpage. We have different, uh, you know, um, descriptions for each product. This is really, really then difficult because, you know, you want to be really straightforward, but actually you have to borrow exactly all of those words to, to come to the conclusion of the, of the whole product. Right. So, I mean, we have to borrow all of these things. And I think that experience is also really important, plays a really important role. So when you are already a couple of years into this business, then you you can react and understand exactly what they need uh, more um, um, easier. Yeah, definitely. Well, one more thing that I noticed that you have on your website, which I think is really great, um, is that you have sound files associated with mallets so that people can hear them. But you know that's another conundrum in my head because. Anytime you set a mic to an instrument, it's going to distort the sound in some direction. And then, of course, we are so used to airbrushed sound, which, you know, are these beautiful albums that we listen to that are produced magnificently. But that's not how a marimba sounds in real life when you're in an audience in a dry room. How do you make that decision of what kind of a sound file you're going to put up that's, you know, best representative? Well, um, we are. It's something. It's something which I also didn't want it to do in the end of the day. But it's a. It's a cool feature to have. Uh, I don't think that people should. Ex- you're absolutely right. People shouldn't rely on these sound file files completely. Of course not. Uh, there is nothing which can replace 
the moment that you get the mallet in your hand and you play it on your own in your practice room or in the rehearsal room, there is nothing which you can replace this with. So that's why I'm, you know, there. Everybody from us knows, you know, we have, we are now in the second year of Corona crisis. So there is nothing which can replace live performance, right? It's the same with testing mallets and hearing hearing how they sound. So that's why, you know, I have the idea right now, which is a project which we're going to do maybe maybe soon uh, by the end of the year uh, that I'm going to make with all my students um, kind of, uh, you know, samples of all the models and they're going to be also with videos and with different pieces, which I think that the mallets are fitting, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe this is a bit closer. So not just to have the, the normal test video where you play the whole instrument from C to C and backwards, but to play actually a piece, you know, which you think that the mallet would suit. I think this is a bit better approach for the customer, you know, to get an idea what he wants or she wants. So in the end of the day, I think it's um, was really important step that we made test set boxes. What we what I, what I have here right now with me, uh, these are two boxes, which are both of them are 26 and a half kilos, right? This is Oy. a lot. I don't know how much, how much, how much pounds this is. Oh my but, God, that's 50, over 50 pounds. That's crazy. Over 50 pounds, exactly. Yeah. So, and this we sent all over the world. Right now they're in Munich. Uh, they're going to be next week in Belgium and then they're going to Netherlands. So, you know, people are really interested. And I think this is the future. I think this is the only way to, to be able to, to experience the whole, the whole infinity percussion sound. Right, so the, the, the easiest is to write us on our email uh, on the web page and ask for a test set and then, you know, all the details are following. The funny thing is hearing you say that, like that's that's normal for other instruments like trombonists with mouthpieces, they'll, they'll write and get five mouthpieces to try. And the closest we have is going to PASIC and, and listening in a very noisy room uh, with bad acoustics. <laughs> oh God, that's horrible. That's horrible. I know people try, but oh my God, that's the worst experience I, for sound ever. I love the the high school kids that like act like they can like really, really hear. It's like, no, stop. Uh, but Alex, <laughs> just, just to close us off today, I wanted to ask about something actually totally off topic from all of this. Uh, I know you play with Martin Grubinger a lot and uh, there's this video of you playing the Bartok Sonata with Yu Zha Wang. Uh, which anytime we can on the podcast, I like to talk about the Bartok. Uh, and it looks like you guys haven't memorized. Um, and to be clear, if anyone's not familiar, they're not playing the uh, the two piano version. They've taken the second piano part and split it between two marimbas and then have the three percussionists behind that. So wh whose idea was that? What, what was that experience like? How did you memorize that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for the question. I mean, First of all, Baroque Sonata is uh, it's so important for our for our literature as a as a classical percussionist to start with. You know, it's something which you know you hear so many times. You know, it's a brilliant piece of music. So I think this, you know, how it is with with also this kind of uh, standard marimba pieces. You know, you know them already before you start playing them because you listen to them so many times. So this was not so difficult as I expected, but it was of course really challenging because you have to play the inner voice here and there, something which you cannot identify when you hear the whole piece from the from the original version, right? And it's so brilliant. It's so brilliantly written that uh, you get so into it. I mean, Xenia, I know that you did the writer's print, you know, it's 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 really, really brilliant just to just to be able to play this, right? And um and you get so motivated. So so it is so it is in the end of the day a task which you can see like impossible, but then you are so invested that in two weeks you're done, 
you know, and you're like, how did I manage this? Yeah, because you like it, you love it, it's a pleasure, and then you just manage it. Um, but of course, it's 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 connected with a lot of rehearsals. Uh, you know, um, the the rehearsal plan uh, with Martin is always really strict. It's a a lot of rehearsals, a lot of work, um, professional. Uh, the whole idea came from his father um, and Martin. Both of them had this idea. They have always really challenging ideas, and I, I think this is what what makes them really special as a as an ensemble. Um, and um, and of course, Yuja was uh, fantastic, you know, to perform basically the first piano, but also grabbing here and there parts from the second one, you know. Uh, it was a great experience, you know, behind us, we had uh, Martin's father and, uh, and my, uh, and our teacher, uh, Leonard Schmidinger, playing the timpani. So it was, you know, uh, first of all, it was uh, an honor, you know, to play something like this. Of course, it was crazy to do something like this which was also extremely motivating to do it in the end of the day, you know, as a musician, you want, you want to do, to go crazy about it. And, um, and I think it was something, you know, which, uh, which a lot of people didn't expect. And I think with this, we brought a bit more color, you know, to the whole, to the whole, uh, to the whole thing, something which, uh, which you couldn't hear, you know, before that with the, with the two pianos. As I say, the original version of Bartok is, unbelievable you know it is amazing and what we did was you know we tried to to experiment with it to to see how far we can go i mean it was wonderful it's just a re-envisioned version with so much love it's not taking anything away it's just such a beautiful homage to the piece and so well done it's like incredible so i just i just so badly want to play the the second movement with all the glissando so it looks so fun <laughs> Well, this was funny actually because actually they are written out. They are written out like Gisandi, Gisandi, and and we were, we were practicing this. And I was like, Martin, everything cool, uh, it's great. I mean, it's going really well. But in the second, you know, second movement is Gisandi. What are we doing there? It was like I'm struggling with it also extremely much. So actually, you know, we went to the first rehearsal, and I was like, oh my god, this moment is coming. This moment is coming. And then we look at each other and we're like, we should do something about this moment, you know. And then we tried actually this Gisandi. Which actually it was so great, you know, the, the the effect of it was so amazing that actually you couldn't actually maybe hear it so much on the piano because you know you have to push basically all the of the the klaviertasten we say in German, but the yeah. you know the keyboard. Uh, but here, you know, when you go so smoothly, it, it just makes this kind of a it's kind of a, a cloud of sound, which was really really nice. Yeah, I think it looks so fun. I would have trouble just not like laughing when I was. <laughs> it's so it's so cool. <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. Well, Alex, before we close off, why don't you tell us uh, what are some of your near future plans? Where are we gonna see? You? Where are we gonna see Infinity Percussion? Just tell us what you're what you're expecting for your life in 2022, since it's around the corner. Well, in 2022, we, I'm really excited with a lot of different projects which I which I start now. Um, Basically, uh, Corona gave me a bit of time, you know, to 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 restructure my 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 musical ideas. I'm doing a lot of arranging. I'm doing a lot of uh, new compositions, you know, with with my with our new ensemble. Uh, it's with me and my colleague uh, Fabian Homer, which is also teaching here at the university. Um, called Alpha Duo and Friends, and uh, a lot of exciting stuff are coming out. Uh, so stay tuned, you know, um, we have some concerts booked. Uh, we are keeping our fingers crossed that they happen actually because we had a lot of them, you know, canceled. 
Um, what uh, I would say about 2022, which I would wish for myself, is um, definitely uh, definitely more and more uh, people interested in some trying something new because I think this is something which uh, which is always a challenge for a new company for a, for a new business uh, to find the the public you know which is open to try something new and I think with our new features of uh, sending you know uh, test sets and everything uh, we are going to approach more and more different people and communities which are maybe going to be interested in, in, in then after that, you know, starting to play with our materials and merits. Um, and yeah, I'm really basically excited to, to go out of this, you know, pressure of, you know, pandemic and, you know, depression and go out and see again, full halls of people, you know, cheering and uh, just hope for the best for all of us. Yeah, wonderful. Well, we wish all of that for you too. Keeping our fingers crossed for your concerts and your projects. Thank you. And looking forward to seeing it. Thank you for being our guest. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation, guys. It was a pleasure. Of course. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Ben. And we will see you all on episode 310. Bye.